0: church so glad to be with you today i'm pastor brent mcdougall and i'm so grateful to be able to offer you a word from scripture today and a message about overcoming our enemies did everyone receive a study guide for the message today if not would you please raise your hand because i want to make sure that everyone has the guide to the notes for today and trevor's going to be coming around just keep your hand raised thank you so much thanks to all the guests that are here with us today for the beautiful music that has helped us to worship today and the anthem from the choir. I love that, that incredible word about being possessed, even penetrated fully by God, that God would be our all in all. And I wonder if that is a true expression of your heart today as you trust in him, even to overcome the enemies in your life. Sometimes when I begin a message, I like to share a, funny story. And I heard this past week about a man who was taking a train to Philadelphia. And the train was continuing on to New York after him, but he knew he had to get off in Philadelphia. And so in this overnight train, he went to the conductor and he said, you've got to wake me as soon as we get to Philadelphia. I've got to get off at Philadelphia. There's no other way. Now I might be a little cranky And you might have trouble waking me up, but you've got to persist. I've got to get off at Philadelphia. And the conductor said, I promise. Well, the man was surprised when the next morning he woke up in New York. And so he went to the conductor just livid and laid into him just cursing and screaming. A woman was watching the whole thing and said, wow, he is really upset about missing his stop. And the conductor said, well, you should have seen the man that we woke up and put off the train in Philadelphia. How do you deal with people who are your enemies? How do you deal with people who upset you? What is your first reaction? That is our word today that comes to us from scripture as we ask God for greater and greater spiritual power, even to overcome our enemies. Would you bow and let's pray together? Our Heavenly Father, we lift our hallelujah to you today. You are worthy, O God, of all of our praise. And our desire, O God, is that our lives would more fully embody your love, that the world would know. Oh God, our world is so full of division and strife. Within this room today, O God, we could tell stories of people that have opposed us, or times in which, oh God, we felt like we actually had an enemy. Maybe even today we feel like there's someone who is standing against us. And so we pray today, Lord, that you would help us to learn the lessons of Scripture. We pray, O Lord, that you would help us to follow the example of Jesus. As he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and bless those who curse you. We thank you so much that Christ sent his Spirit to fill us so that we can live out this command. So Lord, help us today to sense your presence. We pray for our family of faith, for those who could not be here today, but who are deeply struggling, who also need your presence. As we remember today, our brother Steve Sharp and sister Elaine Smith, as we pray today for sister Kathy Henderson. Be with all of these, O Lord, as well as those who grieve, such as Pat Packard and Mike, and also for Allison Albitz. O God, may these especially feel your love today. Fill us today, O God. Help us, Lord, to know what you would have us to do as you stir our minds through your Holy Spirit. And as always, we thank you so much for Christ and for his death on the cross and the resurrection life that he now shares with us so freely. We give this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. This Tuesday... There is an anniversary of a really important moment in the struggle for civil rights back in the 1960s. Because on this Tuesday, 55 years ago, that was the day when a man by the name of Jimmy Lee Jackson was killed in Marion, Alabama. How many people here have ever heard the name Jimmy Lee Jackson? Jimmy Lee Jackson is not well known, but he was a protester for voting rights among African Americans. And it was his beating and his death that ultimately led civil rights leaders to organize the march from Selma to Montgomery, 54 miles. Now, maybe you've seen the movie Selma. It tells this story. It was sparked by Jimmy Lee Jackson's death. They were carrying the body to Montgomery. I'm from Montgomery. This this moment in history has a real strong resonance with me, even though it was before I was born. This is part of our history as well. And we know that it was an important moment to really stir and to unite people in moving toward greater civil rights. A few years ago, I took a little pilgrimage to the Edmund Pettus Bridge, where that march began in Selma. Now, Edmund Pettus, that name is there emblazoned on the top of that bridge. And what many people don't know is that Edmund Pettus was a Confederate general, as well as the purported grand dragon of the KKK. And so it really heightens that moment to know that these civil rights marchers were going through that gauntlet, that sense of being opposed. And if that were not enough, they met a group of state troopers who then unleashed tear gas and they beat the protesters and they pulled out whips. And so I took that pilgrimage and I was there on the bridge and I was thinking about that moment in history And what really struck me during that time was how the protesters did not fight back. How was it? How was it that they did not retaliate? Because don't you know that many of them wanted to fight back, but they did not. Many of them wanted to overcome hate with hate, and yet they overcame hate with good. They were operating through a different kind of power. Today, I want to talk to you about how you overcome your enemies and how is it that we can resist retaliation because all of us have enemies, whether now or in the past, or we will in the future. All of us have people who oppose us or people who want to keep us from being happy or being free, people who will mistreat you. You may be mistreated by a boss or by a neighbor. Or by someone who was your friend at one time. Isn't that the hardest thing when a friend becomes an enemy? And when you're mistreated, it doesn't mean that that there isn't a time to stand your ground. Sometimes that's exactly what you have to do. But Jesus was very specific that revenge is never an option for his followers. His teaching was revolutionary. He said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He didn't parrot the language of the world that says, No, do unto others as they do to you. Instead, he said, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. It was revolutionary. And I want to ask you this question today who really does this? Just about nobody. But this is what makes Christians different. This posture toward the world is not natural. It is not popular, it is not easy. It takes a lot of courage to do these things because anyone can fight back. Anyone can do something mean in response to something mean being done to them. Anybody can retaliate, but God says, love your enemies. And the only way to do that is to be filled with God's love and controlled by God's spirit. And church, I want you to know today that when you do love your enemies, when you choose the way that is best, it pleases God. It says in Proverbs sixteen seven, When a person's ways are pleasing to the Lord, God makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So God wants not just your worship, not just your belief, but all your ways, your daily routines, and your response to trouble. What happens when you face an enemy, that's what God wants to see. And it is pleasing to God when we work in concert with God. And when that happens, God promises, I will deal with your enemies. God will fight our battles. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so we've got to be listening to the words of Scripture as we deal with those who oppose us. How can we overcome our enemies? Now let's take a look at the Scripture today. It comes to us from 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 through 7. Because we see David in this moment with an opportunity to really retaliate against his enemy. I've been preaching through the life of David and talking about spiritual power. Next week is the last week we're going to end on a word of of the power of praise. But today we are looking at how David used this moment when he found an opportunity to overcome his enemy. Now remember that Saul is oppressing David... Saul was on the descent of power, whereas David was rising in power, and Saul was intensely jealous. At one time they were friends, but now they are completely opposed to one another, and Saul is doing everything that he can to oppose and to destroy David. He's actually doing a pretty good job. David was no longer a military commander of the official armies, his wife was killed, his friend Jonathan was killed. And now Saul comes at him, did you catch, with 3,000 men to oppose him. That just demonstrates how Saul was so intent on vengeance against David. For what he perceived David was taking from him. And so David and his friends are out hiding in the hills. Now for those that went to Israel last year, we were going along the Dead Sea and we passed right by in Gedi that the Bible talks about. There's a fresh spring that is there with abundant water Up on the hillside, there are hundreds of hills where lots of people can hide out. That is where David is with his men. 600 of them, just a ragtag group of rebels, trying to hide out from Saul. And then something unexpected happens. Saul comes in to relieve himself in that very cave where they are hiding. Don't you love how the Bible is all about real life? I mean, in this moment where Saul is going to the bathroom, an opportunity is presented... For David to destroy his enemy. Church, this is something very important. You can tell a lot about a person by how they respond when their enemy is vulnerable or exposed. You can tell a lot about their heart and the way in which they will respond either in the way of Christ or in the way of the world. Now, David's friends are all around him saying, David, this is your moment. This is your chance to kill Saul. You can strike him down right now. In fact, they even use the God language. God has given you this moment to kill your enemy. I do a lot of counseling, talking to people about their problems and about the issues they might have at work or with relationships. And often one thing that comes up when I talk to people is how they got some bad advice, especially from fellow Christians, about what they should do at any given moment. I've heard people say to others, you should do that. You deserve that. Whatever they have coming to them, they deserve every bit of it. You should do that. And yet we see here something of David's temptation, but ultimately what we're going to see is Jesus' different way of dealing with our enemies. So what does David do? The Bible says that rather than striking him down, he sneaks up on him and cuts off a little bit of his robe how this happens i have no idea generally when people are going to the bathroom they kind of know who's around them and who's not around them right but maybe david uh, had this moment where saul had put his cloak in another place or some way in which they were back in the cave and they couldn't even hear the whispers of the men so david comes up and what he does rather than strike him down is just snip off just a little bit of his robe to show that he could have taken revenge if he wanted to i mean who is going to care right who was going to notice this little thing that happens but we know that it was the wrong move because immediately David feels guilty you see when you're a follower of God even the little things start to bother you maybe you would say well it's no big deal what I watch I know I shouldn't be watching this but I just can't help myself and therefore I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep doing it Or maybe you don't like your boss and so you're going to cut some corners. Maybe you're going to leave a little bit early. Who's going to notice, right? But when you're a follower of God, even the little things make a huge difference. And David knew he had taken a step in the direction of revenge. Any step in the direction of revenge or retaliation is a wrong step. And David knew that. David then turns to his men and he says to them, this is not the way that we are going to act He says, the Lord forbid I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. May I never lift my hand against him. And so he forbid his men to touch Saul, saying, this is not the way we're going to act. We're not going to do things this way. We're not going to be like the rest of the world. David knew. God had appointed Saul king. And David may think that he was being treated unfairly. He may think that Saul was unfit for service, but it was not David's job to make it right. It was God's job, and David knew that. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and David knew that he had done the wrong thing. So what about your enemies? Can you relate to this story? Maybe when you wanted to get back at someone, you know, just a little bit, you wanted to do something to undermine their authority, you wanted to sort of prove that you could take revenge if you wanted to without doing it, Now David lived about a thousand years before Jesus Christ. And the scripture says that ultimately Jesus would sit on the throne of David. There was a lineage of kingship ultimately that led to Jesus the Messiah who would show us the fulfillment of what it looks like to lead. And so David has this way of interacting with his enemies and yet Jesus comes along a thousand years later and says no you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye a tooth for the tooth that's the way that the world works but I say to you love your enemies and Jesus didn't just give us that teaching he showed us what it looks like to follow and he sent his holy spirit to help us to live it out so today I want to illuminate three ways that Jesus overcame his enemies and I hope that you'll take these to heart And whatever you're facing today, know that God is with you in helping you to overcome your enemies. So, first of all, Jesus refused to retaliate. He refused to take revenge. Think of all the ways in which when Jesus was living his life, he did not take revenge. When he went to Nazareth and he was preaching and they wanted to kill him, they were so offended by what he said, they took him to a hillside to throw him over. But the scripture says he didn't fight back, but instead he just made his way through. God provided a way for him to not be killed. We know that when he was being hunted down by the Pharisees, that he did not fight back. He didn't do the same to them, even though he could have called down angels to deal with his enemies. That is not what Jesus did. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, they wanted to draw the sword. And Jesus said, that is not the way we're going to do things. That is not the way this battle is going to be won. When he stood before Pilate, he was accused of all kinds of things, but he did not say a word. And then on the cross, don't you know, he could have changed everything just with a word. God, send your angels to come and take me off of this cross and deal with my enemies. But he did not do it. Instead, he prayed for their forgiveness as said, church, if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, then we must also remember that it is never the time to retaliate. Never retaliate. This is the first lesson that we look at in his life. Revenge is never sanctioned in the Gospels, no matter what your Christian friends might say. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But now I tell you, do not take revenge on someone who wrongs you. Okay, now I just want to do a quick poll. Is there anything that's unclear about that? Is there anything that would make you think, you know, I can see a loophole. Do not take revenge on someone who wrongs you. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, let him slap your left cheek too. Never take revenge. Never retaliate. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to be a doormat. The secret of nonviolent resistance that was seen in the civil rights era, especially, is that by refusing to retaliate, the protesters actually demonstrated a quiet strength and resolve. Over and over, they showed that they were above what was being given to them, and they kept getting back up revealing their character, their dignity, and their inner fortitude. And that is what made the difference in swaying public opinion. They were powered by faith in the God of justice, who would ultimately see that justice was given to those who cry out to him day and night. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. They really believed that he would bring that about. So no matter what the abusers gave to them, it didn't matter how bad that was. What really mattered in the end was the inherent God-given worth that could never be taken and that is what the protesters wanted the world to see that they were worthy of better treatment, worthy of a different future. Now, Jesus was able to not retaliate because he trusted that God was just and God would bring justice in God's timing. And then he sent out his followers saying, Now you do the same, this is your way as well. He knew that if they just went on plotting revenge, or trying to get back at the people who were opposing them, or carrying a a grudge, he knew it was a form of bondage. And he came to set people free, to cut the chain of hate. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was ultimately killed by the Nazis for his faith and his resistance, said the Christian must treat his enemy as a brother, and requite his hostility with love. His behavior must be determined not by the way others treat him, but by the treatment he himself receives from Jesus. So how you treat other people is not dependent upon how they treat you. How you treat other people is dependent completely on how you have been treated by Jesus. So I want to ask you, how have you been treated by Jesus? What has he done for you? Has he forgiven you? Has he welcomed you in spite of your failures and all your faults? Has he extended grace upon grace? That is the baseline by which we then interact with other people. It doesn't matter what they do. What matters is what has been done for us in Christ and ultimately to follow in that. So today, think of someone that you just can't stand. Think of someone who has mistreated you, someone who has wronged you and ask, how would Jesus see that person? The good news is he came to break that chain of hate. We don't have to carry the resentment and the bitterness. God wants to fill us with love, but we just can't do this on our own. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. You can't love anyone without me. You can't love your enemies without me. When you came into my family, Jesus said, I'm going to put my spirit in you, my spirit of love, and you will be able to love because it won't be you. It will be me loving them through you. And ultimately, you will learn to love them. It'll be my spirit in you. You see, whenever Jesus gives a command, like love your enemies, he will always give us the power to follow the command. So one practical application that you can take away today is ask God to help you to not react with anger or hostility or bitterness. You know, it's so easy to do that, especially on email. I see this happen all the time. Somebody gives us something, we just want to quickly give it back. We want to respond so quickly. Or maybe our pattern is that we will not respond quickly, but we'll just sort of subtly undermine people or talk about them in bad ways behind their back. Ask God to help you to not do that. Ask God to give you a new spirit in your heart and to know that God will ultimately bring about justice for you. So that's the first moment of saying never retaliate. But what if you did more than just refrain from revenge? What if actually you could make a negative into a positive? Jesus didn't just refrain from revenge. He blessed his enemies. He knew God would bring about justice to those who harmed him and so he was free to give a blessing. So church, give a blessing. Give a blessing to your enemy. Respond with a blessing. If they bring you curses, if they bring you anger, if they bring you hostility, respond with a blessing. Don't just refrain from hating them and think that's enough. Bless your enemies. Do something to help them. Do something to build them up. Do something to affirm them because here's what Jesus said. Love your enemies Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt as well. There's power in this because ultimately when we are mistreated and we don't return hate for hate, people see something different in us. And the Bible says actually when we flip the script, when we don't give back what we've been given, then we get blessed and they get blessed. Jesus also said this, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Now we don't wanna fall into the trap of saying, well, I'm gonna bless someone. And really what I want is for them to bless me in return. Or to acknowledge that I have blessed them, it doesn't work that way. That may happen, but ultimately, your reward is in heaven. This may not be something that you see in your lifetime return to you, and yet God says ultimately that you will be rewarded. So think of someone today and make a plan. How will you bless someone who opposes you? How will you bless someone that you would call an enemy? And church, finally, pray for your enemies. If you spend your time praying for people who oppose you, instead of talking about them or plotting against them, you will get better results. Again, in the words of Jesus, he said, bless your enemies, love your enemies. He said, that which we are called to do, I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, the perfection Jesus is talking about is God's perfect love because God loves your enemy as much as God loves you. Here's the litmus test for all of spirituality. How much are you controlled by the love of God? How much does that love flow out of you? That is the first thing that people should notice about you If you follow Jesus, how much love is flowing out of you? If you love people who love you, what is that? If you only care for people who care for you, what is that? Atheists do that. If you love only your family or people of the same race or if you only love people from your own country, that is not God's love. If you really wanna be like your heavenly father, Love your enemies. Love people who are unloving. Pray for people who turn you off. When your Heavenly Father sends the rain, the rain doesn't just fall on the Christians. Did you know that? The rain falls on the Muslims. The rain falls on those who even shake their fist at God. The rain falls on the atheists. That is God's love. God's love is for everyone. And even on the cross, again, Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What if instead of seeking revenge or retaliating, you adopted that perspective? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know how they're being caught up in the ways of the world. They don't know about the powers and the principalities that are always around us, that are causing us, stirring us up to do harm in response to harm. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, I pray for them. That's the way that Jesus did and that's what Christ calls us to do as well. The first church where I served, the financial secretary hated me. That's the truth. I am so glad I have a good relationship with Barbara Evitts. I am so glad that she loves me and I love her because that first experience was hard. She hated me. It was at the very beginning. I hadn't done anything to offend her. It was from the start, she opposed every new idea that I had. Any reimbursement that I turned in, denied. She just didn't like me. Now you need to know, there are gonna be some people who don't like you just because you are you. Maybe you remind them of somebody. Maybe they don't like the way you look, or your attitude, or the way that you talk. This woman did not like me. And so I developed what I called Project Love Elaine. And I began to find ways to love her. So I went into her office and would just kind of stop by and just chat. And I found out that Elaine was actually caring for her elderly mother. In fact, she was dying at home and Elaine was carrying that burden. It was a hard season of her life. I brought Elaine little gifts I try to do things to bless her. And one day I was in her office and this is what she said. She said, I know what you're doing. You're trying to get on my good side. I said, well, it's sure better than your bad side. (laughs) And we became friends. We served maybe two years together. I was there for her when her mother passed away. And then when she retired, we could say we were friends. I loved her, and she loved me. That is what God's love can do. That is the difference God's love can make. It's like crossing a bridge. God's love can make an enemy into a friend. That's what God's love can do. So what does this stir up in you today? Maybe today the Spirit is saying, it's time to change that heart that responds quickly to retaliate. Maybe today God is saying, you really need to bless the one that you really struggle to love. Or maybe God is simply saying today, it's time to pray. To pray intently for that friend or for that enemy or for the one that you just feel like you cannot get along with. That's how we overcome our enemies, by God's love. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us with such a perfect love. And Lord, sometimes we forget that you love everyone on this planet the same. God, we thank you that you are making us into a people who love. It says in your word that they will know that we are Christians by our love. So Lord, help us God to feel your power today, the power of your Holy Spirit to overcome our enemies. God, may your power come in to change our hearts. God, we know we can't do this on our own. We've gotta have your spirit. We've gotta have your working in us as a fellowship and a family of faith. Oh Lord, we pray that you would use us to be people who seek to be at peace with everyone. God, we wanna please you today. And we trust you, oh God, that you will bring about justice. You will bring about vengeance, O oh God, ultimately. We don't need to do that. Oh God, we pray that your spirit would come and fill us today with your holy love. And all this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ.